Parents, what do you want to raise your children to be? Doctors, nurses, teachers, business developers, entrepreneurs, inventors, um, community leaders. How many of you here today would actually want to raise your child to be a prostitute? No one. None of us would ever do that. None of us would ever want something like that in the world that we live in. People go all out in raising their children. We want the very best for them, don't we? We, we want, I mean, it starts right away. We want the safest um, baby furniture. We want we want the, uh, the, the most educational toys that they play with. We want the, the healthiest, most nutritious food. We want, um, we want the, you know, the best teachers we can get for them, the best education we can get for them. We want uh, all the, the most training we possibly can get for them in, in the music and the arts and um, sports. We, we want... Uh, we want the best doctors if, if they're hurt or if they're sick. We want the best doctors. We want the best health care. We, um, we want to make financial investments for their future. But do we make the same investment for their spiritual training? Do we make the same investment for their spiritual training? Bringing them to Sunday school. Showing them the importance of worship. Um, reading the Bible with them, just really reading the Bible with them, talking about God with them, explaining who God is and what that means, not just in a classroom setting, but just in life, in every situation. Do we do that? Do we show them? Do we show them how good Jesus is? Do we make that same investment in their spiritual training? Because the Bible says... That people who don't know how good Jesus is, people who don't know how good God is and go running after other gods are prostituting themselves. I mean, that's how awful a picture, that's how awful a picture um, the Bible gives us. That's how awful a life of going after other gods is. And, and, and I know that none of us would ever want that for our children. We couldn't even dream about it. We couldn't imagine it uh, any more than we would want that for our children in life. And so we and our children need to know, we need to know how good God is. We need to know that God is better than any other God. And that without him, without him, life can be an awful downward spiral. So let's look at what happens in our text. So verses 6 to 9, in our text, verses 6 to 9 remind us that Joshua had died. Joshua and his generation, everyone from Joshua's generation, he was the leader that brought the people into the promised land, they died. And so here's what happens, verse 10, skipping right up to verse 10. After that, the whole generation, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Friends, do you see the danger in not raising the next generation to know the Lord? 
The next generation did not know what the Lord had done for Israel. The, the next generation, they, they, they didn't know. Now, maybe they'd heard some stories. I, who knows? Maybe they had heard some stories. Maybe their parents occasionally did some religious things like praying or attending the occasional worship ceremony or festival or whatever was going on. Maybe. I don't know. But for whatever reason, for whatever reason, it did not sink into them. It did not connect with them that the Lord is the one true God who is real and who loves them and who saves them and who will protect them and who is powerful them and who will deliver them and who has promised to do so and who has kept all of his promises and who fought for them and who helped them cross the Red Sea, and who helped them cross the Jordan River, and who defeated their enemies for them, and even fed them, and made sure that their shoes and their clothes didn't wear out. So they could trust in him for everything in life. In fact, they could trust in him for eternal life. But for whatever reason, they weren't brought up rejoicing in what it truly meant to have a God that delivers. So whether or not they heard the stories or their parents dropped them off for Sunday school in the Hebrew Sunday school, whether or not that happened, it didn't connect with them because they didn't grow up just rejoicing that, man, we have this God who gets us through the Red Sea if we need it. We have this God who defeats armies for us. We have this God who feeds us every day, takes care of all of our needs, and promises eternal salvation for us. And, and just... No matter good or bad, we're rejoicing in that. We get that. And so no matter what comes our way, what difficulties come our way, we're going to carry that with us. For whatever reason, they didn't grow up rejoicing in that. They didn't grow up living in the joy of the gospel. They didn't grow up just experiencing and understanding that this, these aren't just some words. These aren't just a book that we're learning. But this is life. This is joy. This is, this is who God is. And so somehow, some way, their families failed to teach the faith to their children as God had called them to do. I wanted to go into that today, but uh, you can do it in your small group Bible studies. You got to get into Deuteronomy 6 and see just how God laid that out for them and told them that you, you need to train your children. And this isn't just putting them in school. This is talking about me as you walk along the road. As you eat, as you go to sleep, as you go to, like, no matter what you're doing, that they can see God in everything. They can see God in every aspect of their life, all right? Look at how God commanded them to do that. It didn't happen. Do you see the importance of raising the next generation to know the Lord? Bible and, and prayer at home with your, with your kids. So, you, you know, the Bible is something you read. You, you're doing the devotions. You, um, you're praying with them at home, between you guys at home, um, but also at church, that, that you, you also get together with other Christians, um, your children, yourselves, th that you're doing it at home, you're doing it at church, okay? Um, the next thing is that you, that you let your life show it. Kids, kids are so good at seeing through hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, if you're saying this but doing something else, uh, it'll end right there, right? So, um, raising children to really know God means that we let our lives show that, that we're not just talking about who God is, but, but we're showing that we trust in Him. We're showing that we love Him. We're showing that we rejoice in Him. We're showing that we obey Him. 
out of, out of thanks. We let our lives show up. The next thing is that we want to show that Jesus is part of life all the time. Jesus isn't just something that we do between 1030 and 1130 here at Cross of Life. Jesus is part of life all the time. He's always someone you can go to for help um, at school, in, in work, at home, whatever you're doing. Jesus is always part of life. And this one, that we are always pointing out how all things in life are blessings from God's good hand. Because that's why we obey. See, our faith, our faith isn't just a bunch of rules. Sharing the faith with our, the next generation isn't just learn these commandments, memorize the articles, all right? There's more than that. Our, passing our faith down means that we are, that we're always pointing out that, look, this thing that happened, that's a blessing from God. That's God doing that for us. Um, that sunrise, that's God. This is the universe God created. Look at that beauty or this difficulty. God allowed this to happen to you. Listen, God had a good reason for that happening. One day you'll know. But, but seeing God's blessing, God's goodness and everything, then, hey, what are those rules? I, I want to obey those rules. Let me, we, we, we want to obey. Teach them to me. That's what it is raising the next generation. So here's the thing. Who's to blame? Who's to blame when one generation doesn't pass faith down the next? Because there's probably a lot of parents and parent types right now sitting here with guilt. Who's to blame? The answer is usually both. Because sometimes, right, sometimes you do all that as best you humanly possibly can. We're all sinful. We're not perfect. And, but still, that gets either completely rejected or at least maybe temporarily rejected. So it's, the fault is usually both, all right? You, you need someone to pass it on. You need someone to listen. So we are all sinful people that need God's forgiveness. But you know and you've seen that the failures of one generation are often magnified in the next generation, right? So if you have, if there's commitment in one generation that somehow doesn't get passed down, it's going to turn into uh, complacency in the next generation. And then uh, the next one after that, it's, it's going to be compromised. And pretty soon it's right out the window. So what you see happening is a downward spiral. If, if we don't pass on fully what we know to the next generation, it's going to start getting lost and it spirals downward. All right, so let's look what happens. The faith was not passed on to the next generation of Israel, and here's what happened. Then the Israelites did, for 11, verse 11 and on, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Okay, so what had happened here? The Israelites, after wandering around the desert for 40 years, now entered the promised land. All right? And so for 40 years, for 40 years, as they wandered around the desert where it did not rain, they got their food off the ground. 
Every morning they woke up, God had put manna on the ground. There you go, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm set. They got their water out of a rock. Okay, because there's no rain in the desert. So for 40 years, they simply walked outside, picked up breakfast, lunch, and dinner, got their water out of a rock. The moment they enter into the promised land, that stopped. Now what do they depend on? Now they depend on rain for their crops. It's no more manna. Now they need crops to grow out of the ground. They depend on rain for their crops. And rain meant life. And no rain meant death. So the, the, the Canaanites, the people who lived in the land they just moved into, had been living with that for quite a while. And they had come to believe, they had come to have faith in the fact that rain, and therefore life, came from a god they called Baal. And these Canaanites were very eager to share their faith in Baal and the Ashtoreths with these new Israelites who had moved into their land. So this young generation of Israelites now had a choice. What are we going to do? Are we going to trust God's promises to give us rain? Or are we going to follow, you know, what these other people here in Canaan are doing, praying to that God called Baal that gives them rain? What are we going to do? Here, here, by the way, were, were God's promises. Back in Deuteronomy, God said this. He said, if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you, I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain and you will eat and be satisfied. That's what God told him. But then God even knew kind of the challenges that was going to be in front of him. So here are the next couple of verses. He said, you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut the heavens so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. The younger generation, unfortunately, turned away from the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. And in doing so, they left God's grace behind. God had given all this. He said, I'll do all this for you. I just want to take care of you. I'll love you all these ways. But they left that behind. They walked away from it. They said, no, we're going to try Baal. So they left God's grace behind, and now that hand, that powerful hand that had been taking care of them and protecting them and delivering them from their enemies now was turned against them. And as the text said, they were in great distress. Do you see the kind of faith that we want to be cultivating here at Cross of Life, at, at our church, hopefully at any church? Do you, do you see why this is so important? We want to be cultivating the kind of faith that knows that God's promises are good and that they will even work out there in the world. Okay, that these things aren't just true in these four walls. Because what's going to happen? Kids, you're going to grow up. You're going to head off to university. And for, let's say, for a good part of your life, you've been here. You've been learning about this God who loves you. You've been learning about these truths. And you, you're happy in that. You, you believe in him. And you, you know those things are good. And all the people around you at the, this stage of your life, they accept you for that. 
that you believe in God. In fact, they're very happy that you believe in God, and they encourage you in that faith, and they, they, they even help you along, and they lift you up because of that. But now, now you're going to go out, and you're going to discover a world that relies on other gods. And now, whereas here you have this kind of acceptance uh, for who you are as a believer in God, but out there, you're going to discover that your, your life, your credibility, your standing, your status will depend on how you live and what you stand for. So what are you going to do then? Are you going to trust in these promises, in these truths that you've learned from God here? Or are you going to follow the ways of the world? So do you see why we need to be a community that's helping each other grow strong? Not just so we can slap each other on the back here and say amen, but so when we go out there and we, we meet a whole new world that, that has other gods and other ways that they think are better ways of getting rain or getting good things in life, um, and they're going to be saying, this is what we need in our life. Will we be ready for that? There's... Um, we're going to be talking about the danger of, of asking God to coexist with idols in our hearts. So let's, let's just let's follow what happens in verses 16 to 19. This is going to show us the pattern now that continues throughout Judges. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. Unlike their fathers, they quickly turned away from the way in which their fathers had walked, the way of obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands for their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord had compassion on them as he groaned under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So this shows the repeated pattern or cycle that happens throughout the book of Judges. Again and again and again. We're going to see this thing repeated over and over and over again. So um, the first thing you see is rebellion or disobedience. People turn away from God and they follow other gods, false gods. Then the Lord gets angry because of that. And then we see oppression or disaster where God basically delivers people over into the hands of their enemies and lets them suffer, lets them suffer the consequences of sin for a while. And then you see repentance. People cry out to the Lord for help. And the Lord, because he loves them, then, um, then we see rescue we see, um, we see the Lord then delivering them. He raises up judges. He raises up these leaders to come and, and deliver them from their enemies and, and, and save them out of the hands of their enemies and um, give them a period of rest for a while. And then you find this period of rest where um, the people now return to the Lord and they follow him as long as that judge is around. All right, and this is the pattern that this is going to repeat over and over and over again throughout the book of Judges. But we're going to just make it really simple to remember. Um, Tom and I, as we go through this series, we'll just use these four things. So we see disobedience, then disaster, then repentance, and then rescue.
Disobedience, disaster, repentance, rescue. And we're going to see this go over and over again. Now, as soon as the judge died, as soon as that judge died, um, the whole pattern would start over again. But I want you to notice something. Look at verse 19. In verse 19, it says um, that they were even more corrupt. When it, when it came around again for the next time, they were even more corrupt. So what we have here is a downward spiral. Each time it gets worse. Each time it gets worse. It's a downward spiral because you start out at the beginning of the book of Judges and they still kind of half-hearted following God. But when you get to the end, it is all, not even, even the judges are horrible. <laughs> even the people God sends are bad. There's no one good by the end of the book. So what you see is a downward spiral. It doesn't get any better. It gets worse all the time, which shows us why we need something better than a human judge. We need something more permanent than a leader who dies. We need someone who can deliver the soul as well as deliver the body. We need Jesus. Look at verse 17. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them. So what were God's people doing when they were not listening to their God-given leader? What are, what are we doing when we aren't listening to our God-given leader, Jesus? What are we doing when we are allowing other gods to exist in our hearts, when we are following false gods instead of following the true God? The Bible says that we're prostituting ourselves. And so in a sense, in a sense this is how one generation raised up a next generation of prostitutes. You might be thinking, well, that's harsh. I don't really see, you know, that exactly what I'm doing in my life. Um, I mean, a prostitute is someone who is, is desperate. A prostitute is someone whose life is out of control, who's, who's giving themselves to others but never really receiving real love or anything real in return. Um, well, let's think about it. When we serve an idol, we're really entering into in a very intense relationship with that idol in which it is using us in which um, it is not caring about us at all. So we become very vulnerable. We even become its slave. Are you starting to see the connections? Um, idolatry, basically all sin, all idolatry is adultery. It's unfaithfulness. God uses those words interchangeably in his word. God doesn't want us to God doesn't want us to obey him like you obey the rules of the government or the rules at school or the rules at work, okay? Here are the rules. God wants us to, to know him and love him like a loving wife loves her husband. In, in marriage, we see a, a deep and selfless love. And the, the Bible, throughout the Bible, describes our relationship with God like a marriage. So when we're unfaithful to God, it's like a spouse being unfaithful to another spouse. Imagine, imagine your spouse prostituting themselves. How would you feel? If you, if you can even comprehend that, then you might begin to feel, begin to understand, or begin to imagine how God feels when we're unfaithful to him. Anger. Anger like a cheated-on spouse. But because he's God, he loves us like a wonderfully forgiving husband. Notice that God's people were following other gods, not just one, all right? The unbelieving people surrounding the children of Israel had all kinds of gods. 
all right? Their, their theory was the more the better. So the Canaanites around them would have had no problem accepting the Lord as one of many. The Israelites were supposed to make their land be a place where God alone could be worshipped, but um, they allowed the world to fill their land with all kinds of other gods, and that is our greatest danger today, all right? I'm not, I'm not worried about you guys becoming atheists. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about you letting God be one of many gods in your heart. I'm not just going to pick on you. I'm concerned about us letting God be one of many gods in our hearts. Now, I don't think you're probably going to go home and pray to Baal today. But when you do go out there, you'll be surrounded by all kinds of areas in your life that can easily become false gods in our lives. Wealth, career, achievement, success, love, family, entertainment, pleasure, you name it. I want you to think about this or, or answer this for me. Um, which one of those things are you treating as important as God in your heart? Which one of those areas in your life that I just mentioned are you treating as important as God? And you're all going to say, none of them. <clears throat> none of them, Pastor. Okay. Fine. If you can still say that after answering these two questions, then good for you. I want you to ask these two questions about those things. Here's the first one. Am I willing to do whatever God says about this area in my life? Let's just pick one. Your career. So no matter what happens, if, if, you, if you know that at some point God is saying, you know what, you need a new career or you need to make this massive change in your life, are you willing to do whatever God says about this area in your life or your family or your, 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 your life of entertainment or any of those other things? Am I willing to do whatever God says about this area in my life? Here's the second question. Am I willing to accept? Am I willing to accept whatever God sends in this area of my life? So, if, you, if career is very important to you and all of a sudden it, the wheels come off and it, and it just goes right down the toilet, are you willing to accept that or are you going to be angry at God? If you answer no to any of those questions about any of those areas in your life, then that means there's an area of your life already being given over to another God. That means that you have something going on on the side. That you have something else going on outside of your marriage relationship with God. So this is really the point of our sermon today. I want you to know why God is better than any other God. The Israelites had a choice. They had a choice to either to uh, trust in God and listen to the judge that he had sent to save them or to follow the gods of the lands around them. And I want to talk about why following God is better. If you really think about it, the false idols that they were going to and the judges both offered, in a sense, they both offered to be rulers in their lives and they both offered to be saviors in their lives. But the salvation that God was sending through those judges was based on the sheer grace and compassion of God. Verse 18 says, the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned. God sends salvation because, because people's hearts are breaking and he cares about that. 
God is faithful. Even despite the times we've been unfaithful, God continues to be faithful. There is no indication anywhere in all of history of any Canaanite God offering compassion. And none of the gods, none of the other gods that we have ever allowed into our lives, no false gods has ever been able to show you and me compassion. False gods make people into slaves. False gods, they can't show compassion. They can't show grace. They can't show forgiveness. False gods promise much, but they deliver nothing. God is better. There is, there is a better life to be had than the one that comes from false gods. In the same way that marriage is better than prostitution. Okay, God is better than any other God. God is better than any other God. And without him, without him, life would be an awful downward spiral. Let's see what happened. Let's follow that pattern out with the children of Israel. I'm just going to skip right to the end. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 say, The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. So the Israelites lived among the nations and they became just like everybody else. They gave in to their sinful desires. They intermarried with them. They served their gods. Can we do the opposite? Can we do the opposite? Here's a verse from the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11-12. And this is what Peter is telling us inspired by God's Holy Spirit. Can we do the opposite? Can we live as aliens and strangers in the world around us? Can we look different in the world around us? Can we abstain from the sinful desires that would draw us away from our loving God? And can we do good, live such good lives among the unbelievers that one day they will see our good deeds and glorify God? Can we do that? Do your neighbors know that you're a Christian? Do they know that you're a Christian? If they don't, it's time. It's time that they know. Here's my challenge for us today. Let's look different than the world around us. Let's look different than the world around us. Let go of anything else that you've been holding on to as an idol in your life. And let's stop running after all those other gods when we have such a faithful heavenly spouse. Let's raise the next generation to know the Lord and to live their faith. Let's be in the Word. Let's be in Bible study. Let's live as full-hearted disciples. Why? Because we have something better than a human judge. Human judges only gave temporary relief because as soon as they were gone, it all started over again and it got worse every time. We can avoid that downward spiral. There's a better life to be had than the one that comes from serving other gods. So let me tell you about a different pattern. This pattern sounds a lot like the judge's pattern, but it's different because of who is the judge. A judge who never, ever let an idol exist in his heart. One who was always faithful to his heavenly father. A judge who died, but who rises again to live forever. A judge who delivers the soul as well as the body. <laughs> Talking about Jesus. Okay, so here's the new pattern. The new pattern is this. People sin. Okay, 
People disobey. We disobey. We turn away from God. We follow other things. God permits suffering. God permits disaster. He permits us to, to go through the consequences of our disobedience. Which leads us to cry out to him for help. To cry out in repentance. Lord, Lord save us. We've, we've sinned against you. And so then God sends, he raises up someone to save us. God sends someone to deliver us, to fight and win the battle over our enemies. And as he does that, he dies, he gives his life, but he rises again to win the final battle for us over sin, over idolatry, and over death. And now eternal life, eternal rest is ours because of Jesus. Not just temporary rest that's going to last for a while. Eternal rest is ours because of Jesus. And finally, friends, this pattern is not a downward spiral. This pattern is upward spiraling. Because every time, every time we are reminded of his grace and deliverance, we get stronger. Our faith grows stronger. And every time we appreciate what, what God has done for us, he draws us closer to him. And every time we listen to his word, we want to do, we want to live a kind of life that is different than the world around us. We want to live the kind of life that honors him. So friends, we can avoid the downward spiral because Jesus is the judge that God sent to save us. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.